Today's episode is brought to you by the Moody Mink Society, a collection of NFTs giving back. They're committed to giving to organizations in mental health and animal cruelty. Follow them on Instagram at Moody Mink NFT and soon on Discord. Welcome to the Business Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, the Anxiety Doctor, and this week's guest is April Lynn Alter, who is a content creator, YouTuber, and has an incredible story as to how she started with the videos she's creating. Stay tuned. Hi, April Lynn. Thank you so much for being on here. I am super grateful to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's get started with just you introducing yourself and telling us what you do. Woo, yeah, see, it's funny because it's such a simple question, but the answer has changed so much even the last <laughs> couple of months. I suppose I could say right now I'm currently a full-time creator. Most of my revenue at this point is coming from YouTube. So I guess full-time YouTuber with a bunch of different side projects and gigs on. That's a serial um, entrepreneur, right? We start with <laughs> one thing and then we end up with so many. I love that. So I found you on YouTube. And one of the things that I loved about your videos is that first of all, you're articulate and you're great at explaining, which makes it super easy for people especially people that don't know about cryptocurrency or NFT. So the videos that grab it, that I found, the first video I found was about creating your own NFT collection. And that was really, really easy for me to understand. And I loved it. So thank you for those videos because easy uh, for me to even send to people. I know there's a lot of people that want to know what NFTs are. So if someone still doesn't understand, I quickly send them your link uh, to the video that you created and it's easier for them to understand. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. And thank, thanks so much for watching. It's, I am, I'm really happy that you say that you find me very articulate. The interesting thing is, at least for me, I do, I script fully out all of my videos and wow. different YouTubers have different strategies for whether or not they strip, they script or they outline or they use a teleprompter or not. I don't use a teleprompter, but I do fully script. And for me, it's because one of my strongest suits has always been my writing. And so through that, I'm able to, I spend an incredible amount of time researching and scripting my videos. But because of that, I guess that's what gives me my own kind of special sauce in relation to all the other YouTubers out there who are uh, creating videos about the NFT crypto every space. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and that's, I think, what gravitated or me to to watch your videos. So continue doing what you're doing, because they're amazing. So tell us a little bit about your journey. What were you doing before you decided to become a full time creator? Oh, boy, so many things. I guess I'll start in college, I wanted to become a banker. So that's kind of what the route was at that point. And banks recruit super early. So I knew that I had a full-time job at a bank well in advance. But at the time, I also had an internship that I had, the internship spots, spots that I had to fill. And I interned at a startup, a Series A funded um, startup based in Silicon Valley. And that experience was life-changing. I had never thought of myself as an entrepreneur ever. Like I thought like cool people were entrepreneurs. Like I wasn't <laughs> cool. You know, when I thought about like a, entrepreneur I thought of like a very type a on top of it kind of more like tech bro person and I just felt like 
I don't really fit that bill too much. So I'm not an entrepreneur, right? But then working at the startup, that's really when everything changed. And when everything that I thought that I could accomplish, I just like broke through so many of those barriers that I had set up for myself and realized that, wait a second, like life and myself could be so much more and really leaned into this idea of, I want to create value. And so uh, post-graduation, I did end up actually returning to the bank full-time because that's when the pandemic hit. And I was a little iffy about joining a startup right off the bat because I wasn't (laughs) sure what the results of the pandemic would be. But after a couple months of working at that job, which is interesting because that was at the time my dream job as a financial analyst in a global financial institution. And I realized that it was not for me, I didn't love it. And I realized that so many of my, what I thought were my superpowers and the skills and the abilities that really I felt set me apart from other people mm-hmm. were either being, were, were going unused or underutilized in that position. And so after a lot of thought, I ended up quitting that job. At that time, I had a side product that I was already working on after hours at work, which was called Tenderfoot. And we connected students with internships at startups. And so I also at that point, I guess, I guess integral to mention is that's also when I started building my Twitter audience. And so by the time when I quit my job at that point, I already felt like I had a pretty established Twitter audience and a lot of people had already had interest in Tenderfoot and what, what I was building beside. So after a lot of thought, and maybe we can talk about this more, maybe not, but I, I quit my job, went full-time on Tenderfoot, started building that for a while. Then some kind of complications arose with the co-founder that I was working with, ended up having a new co-founder. And then we had to pause operations on Tenderfoot for a while because of issues with visa stuff and traveling, the travel bans. And of course, I'm a person who like can't just do nothing. So like, okay, if I'm not working on Tenderfoot, then I should be working on other things. And so I just, I did a bunch of different things. One of them by accident was I designed Twitter banners for people. I created these like pretty beautiful digital art pieces for Twitter banners. And then a couple of people started mentioning, Hey, have you thought about turning your banners into an NFT collection? And I'm like, I haven't, but okay. I'm really kind of like leaned into bias to action. So like, just go ahead and do something worst case scenario, at least like you fail, but at least you've learned something that enables you to do newer and cooler and better things in the future. At that point, I also started a YouTube channel kind of around Twitter content because on Twitter, most of my Twitter related content was doing super well. So I thought, oh, I'll start a YouTube channel. I've got the same content. It'll also do really well. It didn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had maybe like 150 views per video, which isn't terrible, but um, pretty far away from any sort of success on YouTube. But then I did do the NFT collection and I'm very much a person of, I will do a new thing. And then my content is I will kind of tell my Twitter audience about the new thing that I did and what I learned from it. And so I wrote a thread about it and people seem to really love the thread. So I made a video about it. And that video on YouTube took off, has almost 300,000 views at this point. It's incredible. And at that point, that's kind of when I had my first crisis of like, do I, like YouTube is telling me to lean into the NFT content, but is this really what I want to do? Do I want to be known as the NFT girl? Do I want to be creating crypto and web free content? To be honest, I knew close to nothing about NFTs. Knew close. I didn't even know what web three even was. Like I'd heard of web three, but I didn't even know what it was. And I just kind of had this crisis of like, what do I do with my niche? 
spoiler alert, I ended up leaning into it. And so that's kind of like what brought me to where I am right now, which making enough money on YouTube to be a full-time YouTuber while also having enough time to do other things on the side and really kind of leaning into that NFT crypto blockchain technology niche. Yeah. And is that what you're going to continue to do? Yeah. So I have lots of goals for 2022. I think like six different revenue streams that I'm planning, but the largest one is coming from YouTube AdSense and then from the YouTube sponsorships themselves. Good, good. So what gave you the courage or the motivation to quit your job as a banker in the corporate world and jump into this fully? Yeah, I think there are, there are a lot of factors that went into it. One of them is what I like to do is think about, okay, what's like the worst case scenario that could happen? Because I, if I prepare myself for the worst case scenario, then the idea of making that jump is a lot less scary. So I thought, okay, worst case scenario, I quit my job and Tenderfoot, the product that I was building, that I was building at the time, failed. So to me, that was like the worst case scenario. And I thought, you know what? I can I could get through that because I realized I didn't want to be in financial services anymore. The scary thing about quitting a job like that is that it's tough to go back sometimes if you spent enough time out of it. But I realized that that type of industry just did not bring me joy and life is too short to do things that you don't love. And so I thought, look, even if Tenderfoot doesn't work out, then I have a large enough Twitter audience and community in, at this point where I could literally just tweet, hey, looking for this type of job and I would get people interested in having me. And so I felt like, you know, really leaning on the community and network that I built up was huge. Additionally, I just listened to an episode of the Indie Hackers podcast with Lynn. That was actually an episode that was recommended to me by one of my followers on Twitter. And so much of her journey resonated with me and that she was in med school. And one day she just decided that, you know what, that's not the path that she wanted to be anymore. So she quit. And then it went on like a year long kind of like journey to find out what she wanted to do. She had, she had no plan. I definitely, I'm much more of a planner in order to make a jump like that. I needed a plan, but I did end up actually a cold DMing her on Twitter because I just resonated so much with her story. We had a little conversation. She sent me some material that she was going through at the point where she was deciding whether or not to make that leap and kind of like going through some of those videos and reading some of those articles really helped cement the framework that I had for, look, you don't have to live by the narrative that you've been telling yourself or other people have been telling yourself for so long. You can, you can break out of that and your life is really yours to do what's with it. And one quote that really stood out for me from one of those videos is become the best quitter, you know, which was kind of revolutionary to me. Cause like, I, I don't want, I'm not a quitter. We're not quitters. <laughs> yeah, that's what that. we learn. Yeah. So sometimes you like being the best quitter, you know, means being able to realize like that situations are not right for you and having the courage to move on. And I think that that really resonated with me. Yeah, I agree. And you're very lucky to have learned this at this age because you're really young. And I know that there's a lot of people that end up working at a job that they're not happy in for many, many years. And then they realize, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they jump into starting a business or any, you know, being a creator or any other venture that they decide to do, but 
you learn this at a very young age. I'm jealous. <laughs> I wish I would have learned that earlier, but you're right. I think society just, you know, we, we, society teaches kids that they have to go to school and then get that good job and then, you know, work for someone forever. And it's, we're, we're not um, teaching kids to be entrepreneurs and encouraging them to take risks. And I think we need to do that. We need to start doing that. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of the basis for a tenderfoot itself, right, is opening more opportunities for students to at least intern with startups. And now we're kind of broadening it to intern with startups and with creators and un, like, give them a pretty low risk opportunity to discover that, hey, there's more out here beyond the realms of traditional companies. And it might be right for you. It might not. But here's at least an opportunity to explore that and see for yourself. So where is that right now, that project? It's still currently on hold. We are resuming beginning of February. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently in Denver traveling over to California where my co-founder is to be in person for a couple of weeks, kind of get the ball, ball rolling again. So yeah, I was trying to like budget my time and calculate the hours per week that I'm spending on everything. And it's, it's pretty tight. I have like a 96 hour work week. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that a lot of it doesn't feel like work, right? Which is the beautiful you're doing thing. doing what you love. It doesn't feel like work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like things, things like this, for instance, like being on a podcast, like that doesn't feel like work at all. And yet, you know, it's, it's budgeted in time to be in meetings, time to connect with people in various yeah. different forms. Yeah. And it's, you know, I am, I would say I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm also the most stressed I've ever been in my life. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm grateful. I wake up every morning and I think, man, I have such a weird life, but I'm incredibly grateful for this life. And I would never go back. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a perfect harmony. I think stressed out, but knowing that you're doing what you love, but happy that you're where you want to be in your career in your, you know, that's, that's amazing. What else um, could we ask for? Right. Happiness is very, very important. And I like that you point out that you work, you know, 96 hours a week. A lot of people that think of creators or, you know, YouTubers, it's, oh yeah, I wish I could just open, <laughs> you know, toys. And I'm like, it's not that easy. It's, you know, editing and meetings and, you know, just planning cre how, what, what you're going to create and coming up with ideas. It's not just the 10 minutes of, or five minutes video that people watch. There's a lot of behind the scenes that occurs. Absolutely. I was shocked. I had no idea that this amount of work uh, went into content creation, especially with YouTube. No idea at all. I started doing it. I'm like, oh, wait, I need to do this and then this and then this. And I guess I'm in a little bit of a unique position because I had pretty explosive growth. Like, all of my growth really came starting in mid-November. And now we're talking and it's mid-January. And so like really in these two months, I'm almost at 10 K subscribers on wow. YouTube at this point. And it's just, it's the rate of growth is incredible. And again, very grateful for that. But because of that, there was really no time to adjust or to iterate. It's just like, I feel like I've just been pulled along constantly. Yeah. And so because of that, I was like, okay, well now 
I'm being completely inundated day after day after day with like sponsorship requests. I'm like, oh, I need a system to figure this out. Collab requests, I need a system to figure this out. Like everything, like, I, okay, I need more systems in my life. Otherwise this will not be sustainable. So it's just been a lot of work right now and trying to adjust and trying to keep up in a way that makes kind of this lifestyle enjoyable and sustainable for myself. Yeah, possible, right? Yeah. Any mm-hmm. other advice, personal advice, when it comes to starting your own business and being a content creator? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, I guess the 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 biggest thing I could say, I'll, I'll say, I'll say two things. One, kind of like what I mentioned before, is bias to action. I feel like I before I used to be such a planner. Like I would, I would want to plan every single thing. But ever since I started leaning into chaos, leaning into the unknown, being okay with look, this might not work out, but also getting to the point where you're confident enough with yourself to say, look, it might not work out, but I'm confident that I'll be able to get through it because I can, and I can do hard things. And I got this. That was kind of one of the biggest things to me is like the courage to lean into the chaos and kind of leave behind the life of needing to plan everything out. And the second part is to make sure that you have like a solid community of people supporting you. You don't have to be big on Twitter. You don't have to be huge on social media, but whatever form of support that you can have from people, that's I'd say is is absolutely huge and people that you can lean on and talk to and support you as you go through it. Yeah, I agree. You know, a lot of people think when you start your business, you need to have $150,000 and, you know, you need to all this money to start any type of business. I think that a lot of family support, friend support, mentor support is way more valuable and way more important. Of course, we need money, right? We need to pay our bills. But I think without that, it's really hard to grow without having that support, the support system, whether it's your followers or your your family, did you have that support besides your, your huge following on Insta, on Twitter? Yeah. So the interesting thing there is I'd say most, most of my support, and I wouldn't say huge at, at the time where I quit my job, I'd say I had like a little over 5,000 followers on Twitter, which I guess seems huge to some people. That's really where most of my network was with, with my parents, particularly, I come from an Asian background and, you know, that conversation with an Asian parent, Hey, I know you've always wanted me to do this thing. And now I don't want to do this thing. That was really difficult. Maybe I should make a video on that process because I feel like a lot of people, you know, not, 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 not just from Asian backgrounds, but other minorities. I think that's in the Hispanic culture is the same. It's the same way, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of the, um, Latino families, the parents came here and, and the kids are first generation and they see it as like, I came over here for you to go to school and get that job and in corporate America. And it's, it's hard. I agree. Absolutely. Yep. My, my mom came here from China, very same, very, very similar narrative there. And so that was really, really difficult. And most of my friends too, at that point, like I didn't, I'd say one part that I did have was because I had interned in a startup before, I did have a lot of friends from that startup who were very entrepreneurial people themselves. But like the school that I went to was very, I guess the people I surrounded myself were all very like, let's go into real estate. Let's go into accounting. Let's go into finance. So I think 
really seeking out people. You know, they say that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so really just surrounding myself with other people in the entrepreneurial mindset, talking about the same things, getting excited about the same things that I wear. That was, that was really huge. And now I'll say too, going through this explosive growth on YouTube, again, I've had to kind of reinvent my, like the people I spend the most time with, because previously it had been lots of indie hackers. So other people who had an idea for a product and building cool solutions, and that was what I was doing. But then when it came to content and YouTube struggles, nothing. Right. And so I wasn't feeling support there. And I'd say it's okay to kind of change the people that you spend the most time with, depending on the stage of life that you're in. So now I'm making a lot more YouTuber friends. Like now most of my conversations are around content creation, less so startups. And that's okay because that's the stage of life that I'm in right now. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good. Anything else, any other advice or anything else you want to mention, let them know how to find you. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll just say, go for it. That, 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 that's, that, that's really the only thing I could say is, 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 it's just go for it and trust that you'll figure it out because you can. And if you ever want to connect, if you want to chat, if you're kind of, if you're considering potentially quitting your own job and maybe need like a little uh, pep talk, you, you can find me on Twitter at Aprilin A. I'm also at Instagram at Aprilin Alter. And then my YouTube channel is Aprilin Alter. Okay. Thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me. I loved our conversation and you're welcome back anytime if you have time to come and chat with us again, but thank you again. And I look forward to seeing all the amazing things that you're going to do. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. I had an amazing conversation with April Lynn. I enjoyed listening to her journey and I can't wait to see what other amazing mentors she takes on. Her information is on the description of this episode. Go subscribe to her YouTube channel. And thank you so much for listening.